Welcome back to Chico Hunter's podcast. Um, I'm just waiting for my eyes to focus and my brain to wake up because I've just had about one hour of sleep after taking the last summer vacation. Just, just a bit of a weekend getaway with the family, really. To northern Arizona, the Grand Canyon. And I haven't been to the Grand Canyon in about 10 years. And I, I have to admit that I was surprised to see so many people there from other countries that were visiting, seemingly enjoying the thing and very peaceful. Um, but man, 10 years, it makes a difference because like even in Williams, Arizona, where we go, which is where the Polar Express train uh, goes to the Grand Canyon in the wintertime, that's, that's the best way to kind of let the listeners pinpoint where in the world Williams, Arizona is. It's evidently one of the oldest train depots in the country and it it definitely looks and feels like it is um it's uh oh gosh 45 minute train ride 50 hour and a half i don't know i kind of don't have all the stats on you know, the distance Williams is from the Grand Canyon, but it's, it's close. And the train ride is like an hour and I want to say hour and 30 minutes, a slow train ride. And, um, but my wife and I were there evidently before we had our first kid. And so that our oldest is 10. So we were there at that time. Um, and before the train leaves to go to the Grand Canyon, all the tourists get together in a little kind of stadium seating outdoors, and we get to watch a little cowboy show. Just a scripted little thing where a bunch of dudes dressed up as cowboys put on a little show, and they sling some jokes out there, and you know, fire their fake guns in the air. And if, if you wanted to, and you're one of these actors, you could go ahead and say all kinds of political stuff. You know, poking fun at Ohio, for example, just because they said, oh, these people in the crowd don't look too smart or something. They, some of them might be from Ohio, something like that. Now, I gather that probably 10 years ago, all that would ever get is a laugh. You know, just because we're poking fun at ourselves. But then nowadays, I have to, even though nothing nothing happened, okay, nobody got violent or, or or angry, at least didn't verbalize it. But I'm sure there are people in the crowd that were like offended by that because we're divided. And you know, I would say the group, the the population of people 
up there, up north, enjoying the Grand Canyon and, and northern Arizona and stuff. They seem to be a lot of foreigners, a lot of people speaking French or people from Israel or people from Germany, you know, big European countries. But, you know, there wasn't a, from what I could tell, just not overwhelmingly American. We were like tourists. Grand Canyon was a tourist destination yesterday. And uh, I just kind of was surprised by that. I thought it would just be a lot more Americans enjoying the Grand Canyon. Um, but, you know, we had a good time. You know, I was expecting to get annoyed by a lot of things. But that's the old, that's the very old me who would just be critical and negative. And I realized, even while I was sitting on the train, I realized that that's stuff that was instilled in me by my parents. To be just grouchy and critical and overly critical. I, I remember putting a lot of that energy into the conversations I would have with my wife when we were newly married. You know, I would just hate everybody. And then I would just take little digs at them. And just like, oh, yeah, I wish that I could do that. And blah, blah, blah. But no, I guess since I'm just an old man, that kind of stuff leaves me feeling just defeated. Like, what's the point? I don't want to criticize people. The damn musician on the train wanted to make a point about saying, okay, was if anybody here, you know, please raise your hand if you were in the service. And, you know, that gets under my skin because the guy wants to go out of his way to thank people for their service. And that just, to me, sounds political these days. Ten years ago, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, really. I might even, you know, be willing to thank people for their service back then. Say, oh, they're, they're good people. But that's not always true. Just because you're in the service doesn't mean that you're a good person. It means that you're in the service. And that you volunteered to give your time, possibly die. Uh, you know, but you know very many people who came back from their tours or whatever, or, or just serving our country, that were like, man, that was the worst decision I've ever made. No, it's a great, great thing for them it's rewarding fulfilling it's financially fulfilling and they get paid to go all over the world experience different people have a feeling that they're making a difference in the world policing the world nowadays it's just like oh should be careful what we wish for because when i was younger much younger I thought, you know, there's so much evil in the world. And if America is the strongest country and we're there to police the whole world, then why not, why not just do it right? Let's just go to these places and just snuff out evil. Let's go to the Middle East and, and just, just do what needs to be done. You know, take out the evil people and then, you know, turns out 
Well, that's that's not the way it works. You can't just go and annihilate people. You can't just be heavy-handed and make decisions based on your feelings and your political feelings and your religious feelings. Because if you think about it, how much different is that than the way the, the Third Reich was? They were just, they wanted it to be a certain way. They were strong and they forced people to bend to their will or die. So I don't know. When I was younger, I thought, well, why don't we just go and just own this place? And I think that's the attitude that people have embraced. But if you think about it, that's just not humane. It's very much, it just feels like a Nazi regime to go around the world and just say, you're going to do it my way or else. So, getting back to, uh, you know, the guy, he's, he's a musician, he's entertaining the, the train car, but he makes a point to ask about who's in the service. Even later on, going down the row and saying, were you in the service? Were you in the service? Of course, asking people who look like they woke up in the morning for four years in a row and were forced to do push-ups, you know? If you've got... If you're in good shape and you've got a flat top haircut, chances are you probably, there's a good chance that you are in the service or you are in the service. But didn't ask me that with my hair all spiked up with gel and whatever else. And now that I'm over 40, I'm just not in the best shape of my life, you know? Wouldn't ask me if I was in the service. But I just, I don't like the glorification of those in the armed forces because like I said they're they're not all good people and now a lot of those people just have a bad attitude and bad outlook and a bad just political uh, preference about the way the world works and who am I really to say that they're wrong if they've been there and they've seen it firsthand. But I don't agree with the glorification of the armed services because there's a, the fact is that plenty of people go into the service and they commit atrocities. You know, they get, they, they do things that are not not good, either to their fellow soldiers or to civilians. You've heard we on in the movies and stuff. We always hear lots of stories about Vietnam and how kinds of terrible things went on there in Vietnam. A lot of things that were violent or just terrible against the population of Vietnam. And, but that was a gruesome, terrible thing war to be involved in and who knows if as much of that was true I mean certainly a good amount of those terrible stories were true but um, maybe maybe over the years Vietnam stories have been a little over embellished but I don't know because I wasn't there so um, 
I just kind of feel like that was a bad situation and some soldiers went there and they weren't they weren't honorable as honorable as they should be they didn't carry that like solid gold heart of gold attitude like they were there to defend our country and just do the right thing at the right time no matter what and I think that holds true to today what I'm getting at is there are people who enlist in the service and they they do terrible things like in basic training okay violence against women violence against people who are just not your typical straight white male full metal jacket there's all kinds of stuff there's platoon all those movies from the 80s 90s Jacob's Ladder just all kinds of weird shit that happened in Vietnam but certainly not every single service person is a good-hearted individual who deserves our respect if they get lumped in with the people who you know storm the beach at Normandy or you know had honorable careers with the Navy or just I, mean, I live in Arizona in a place called Peoria which is just next door to Sun City where there's just oodles and oodles of retired military personnel and there's a lot of old timers there and surely they served their country and they enjoyed their time they were fulfilled by it they're honored but they kind of they're coasting you know they they served their time they might have even been in like the korean war or, or vietnam war or anything like that and and that's it they just are just honored for their service from that point on for the rest of their lives do they all deserve it I don't know. I think maybe the old timers kind of do, but the old timers are also the fuck stains who are voting for Trump because they're just in that that brand loyalty mindset and they kind of are going with the flow with that military momentum. But you know those those attitudes that I hold didn't influence me too much, but I did get annoyed with this fucking musician going around making sure that we honor, that we show our appreciation to the, those who are in the military. Because the way I see it is, okay, were you in the military? Yes, you were. Let's thank this person for what they did. Were you in the military? No. Let's not thank this person for what you didn't do. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, it's almost like a feeling of jealousy. It just doesn't feel like, you know, it feels like we're going to honor all these people for doing something that benefited them. The majority of them, you know, came back in one piece. And they get all this accolade for the rest of their lives. And then if you didn't go in the service, then fuck you. You're just a, a weakling. I, I just feel like anybody who wants to honor those in service, you know, at the same time are almost emasculating me. And I don't think it's fair.
I'm no more of an American. I'm no less of an American than these guys. And I do regret not joining when I was 18. I would have been awesome. And I would have been through all that without the uh, the slap down of you know the things that happened in my nursing career in my life. I would have had that confidence that I had when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. I would have had that confidence in the in the military, and it would have served me really well because I would have been a leader. I would have been good at what I do. I would have been confident, I would have been arrogant, I would have been abusive, I would have been the kind of person who's trying to get, you know, somebody who wants to try and get away with something, do wrong, and then not pay the consequences, and I think there are a lot of people like me who have not been caught yet, and I know better now, once I've got caught, doing wrong, I, I've learned my lesson. And now, for the most part, I'm living a, a, as a good person. I just, I want my life back. I want my career back. Okay, so, we had a good trip. I was proud of myself for not being that person that I used to be, where I'm negative, I'm nasty, I'm gripey and bitchy about everybody that I see, Um, critical and just mean, picking, you know, giving people the stink eye, or or even just starting arguments. You know, I could very easily be that guy who's going to start some shit with somebody and just bring it all the way up to that line before fists start flying. And uh, I'm proud of the way I behave. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a recovering addict, and we are very selfish people. And here I am talking about myself. I'm proud of me and how I acted. I'm not thinking about my kids or my wife or the other people who were there. Thinking about myself and uh, my behavior and how I, I acted and reacted to just people. My wife said it herself. She just told me last night that my middle son was on the train and we're waving to the cowboys or whatever out the window. And he said, Anthony told his mom as he was waving, like, oh, I really like interacting with people. <laughs> and we, we both, I thought that was funny because he said it. Honestly, like, I like interacting with people. His generation are kids that they are they don't interact with people as much because of the electronic, you know, distractions that go on in their lives. And uh, they're probably going to live a lifetime of just being introverted and just involved in their own world, in their own electronic world, their digital world, their... their uh, social media world and they might not get good opportunities to actually interact with other real life people so we thought that was cute um 
but I'm a Generation Xer, so I've interacted with people my whole life. I'm much better at it than my son. At least I should be. And uh, and I am now. Even if I'm not happy about some musician making a point that military people are better than regular people, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna break his glasses over it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say something off color. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it for everybody. So, when a person like me does control their behavior and and realizes that you can't just react negatively to everybody, then yeah, things go a little more smoothly. My wife and I didn't get in some stupid argument about something because, you know, I think I respect her a lot more today than I did when I was a young, you know, young husband. I don't need to start some fight with her about what she did or didn't do during our trip. One example is when we got to the hotel, we were unpacking some of our stuff and and our daughter who has a peanut allergy. So normally we want to have EpiPens with us and we forgot. She forgot. And she was she was obviously upset with herself for getting this very important thing. The old me would have made her pay dearly for that mistake. And it's not her mistake. It's my mistake, too. I told her that I couldn't uh, be expected to keep track of these kinds of things because I work, uh, you know, long hours in the night and I, you know, I'm just overly tired. I, I don't have the mental capacity to keep track of all this stuff. So, you know, I, I passed the uh, responsibility on to her that if these EpiPens were forgotten, it was kind of her fault. But the old me would have made her feel so bad about it the entire time. Miserable. She probably would have cried. Now, I would just do whatever it takes to make her, her know that she's a horrible, horrible person for doing this horrible, horrible thing. Obviously doesn't care about our daughter's life. There's no way. I mean, nowadays, I just don't want to go there. And and I can see that she's human. She makes mistakes. She did a lot to arrange this, and she's not my mom. So, you know what? It, we're both responsible. So, yeah, I felt, I felt bad that, that I didn't just grab them, and so did she. But there's no point in, like, just starting, that, that would have started, started this, this attitude, that this bitter anger, and it would have lasted the entire time. And I guess, I guess I just know better now than to do something like that. Because it sucks. Anybody can imagine what that would be like to be with somebody who's just evil. Because that would be just the most evil thing for me to do. 
and I don't want to do that to her anymore. She's got a lot going on, and she needs as much support as I can give her at this point. So that was good. Now it's just one example. And, uh, so, go to the Grand Canyon, and, you know, we didn't get upset about eating, or the kids whining, or, um, it's, it's usually a good reminder for me when I see other people who are just, uh, unpleasant, you know, their, their kids are whining, I, I heard one father on the on the bus because he takes these little shuttle buses around the Grand Canyon from one place to another because it's too far to walk and um, even my wife was like you know I'm glad we took these shuttles because you know I kind of wanted to see how it was going to work and how it was going to how we were going to get from place to place and she knew damn well that we need to take these shuttles and she could tell that I was I kind of wanted to do it my way but no, it made perfect sense to just take the damn shuttles. And I think she was expecting some big drag out fight about that. Um, but I did, I overheard this one dad you know, yelling at his kids. Two little girls, like maybe five and three. And they were kind of going back, like back and forth and hitting each other. And, and then one of them would complain loud enough to get daddy's attention. And, and his reaction was something like, I'm going to smack you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you. I'm going to hit you. And in public, he was saying this to his kids. I'm like, shit, no. Uh, that I, I'm sure that, you know, with my kid whining about wanting to have a souvenir, you know, because all he wants to ever do is, is, is go shopping. He likes to buy stuff. It's it's like his drug. And when he doesn't get it, he, you know, he goes through withdrawal. That's that's what he wants to do. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he has a tantrum. And um, you know, so of course, my wife and I are both tempted to go there with him. Like we're gonna punish you if you cry, if you're angry, if you. If you embarrass us, I mean, I did give him some gentle reminders, like, please don't embarrass us. Um, maybe he is learning. Maybe they are learning, like, what their negative behavior can bring. But neither, I don't think either one of us wanted to be that parent who's like, if you don't stop, I'm going to spank you when we get to the hotel. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you right now, or I'm going to embarrass you. If you want to embarrass me, I'll embarrass you. I'll embarrass all of us. I don't think anyone, either one of us wanted to do that. And, yeah, again, that probably would have been me five or six years ago. I would be totally willing to just make us all look like assholes right then and there. Because one of my kids was crying or complaining about something, not getting what they wanted, and so that was another kind of reminder of how I've improved. And, um, you know, there's more to say about this. So I might just go ahead and take a little quick break. 
just reminding everybody that the Grand Canyon is pretty, pretty cool. I mean, if you go there, um, it's, it's very interesting, but I, I never realized how much effort it takes just to get there. I mean, we drove from, you know, metropolitan Phoenix area north to Williams, which, I don't know, it's like three hours, two and a half hours, something drive. And then from there, we got on the train, which is the same train as they use for that Polar Express during the wintertime. Um, but during the regular year, it is, uh, it's just a refurbished uh, railway line that is that was reopened, I think, in 1919 or something. Or, shit, I don't have any of the actual details on, on this stuff. But it's all over when you're there at Williams. They tell you all about the train and the tracks and, you know, how everything works and... You know, it's cool. Um, so it, it's it's like a throwback kind of experience, and it's really really well worth it. And you can tell that it is because, like I said, there there were tourists from all over the place. I mean, I'm really good with accents, but I I think mostly what I picked up were Spanish and French accents, which that just means America. You know, I always tell a little story about how when I was younger, I used to travel as much as I could. I went to France a couple times, and one of those times, I was with my buddy Patrick and me are in the, the city of Carcassonne in France, which is a castle, a walled city, and we are in a youth hostel, and there was some, some hotshot kid from, like, the Netherlands who was going around, and I, I wanted to be a part of this conversation because I thought I was cool, but and he was kind of just going from girl to girl, really, and just saying, they're playing a little game about, let me guess where you're from based on you know, what you sound like. And he knew me right away because he said, you're from America, and I can tell that because you speak a little English speak a little French, and you speak a little Spanish. So that just that puts you in that America zone. So when I think of French and Spanish and English together, I just figure that's, quote-unquote, it's America, whether it's Central America, South America, or North America. It's America. Or Canada. North America, sorry. Okay, um... And then one last little thing about behavior was there was one dad on the train who had, I don't know if he was in the military or not, but, um, boy, he, he just seemed to have everything going for him. He was in good shape. He was tall. He was handsome. had all of his teeth. He had a nice-looking family. And he had this kind of happiness, this youthful happiness that I haven't had since I was in my late teens. Just happy and willing to joke around and just have fun and just be loose and be free and be happy. And, um, you know, I aspire to be like that. You know, I've always looked for joy in my life. 
before, during, and after my recovery. So that was another reminder for me that, I don't know, maybe if, if I keep working towards it, then I might actually get to where I need to be. Okay, so like I said, there's a little bit more to say about this, and I'll do that in just a minute. Stay tuned to Chico Hunter's podcast. I just had this inkling to say, I love life. And then I had to kind of stop and think about that for a second because yeah, my life is not going the way I want it to go. Not at all. Um, but I do, I do love life itself. I, I do love it. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad that I have the ability to be clean. And I also... And I also really love my daughter. Um, I know I've put a lot of energy and effort into talking about how much I hate this little girl. Not not using the word hate, but I just put a lot of energy into saying how terrible she is and what a monster she is, how evil things that she does that just drive me insane. Um, but yeah, now that she's getting older, finally she's getting. Like I've realized, and I think she's realized that you know she can't live in this infantile mindset forever. She kind of stopped maturing emotionally um, when she was about three or four, which is, ironically enough, is when all my shit fell apart. So, you know, obviously I blame myself, and I should blame myself, but instead of blaming myself, a lot of times I end up blaming her. But uh, now that she, she and I are kind of, I think, getting a little bit better uh, understanding between the two of us and and realizing that she can't live in this this juvenile mindset forever and that she's got to grow past her behavior you know and, and I'm gonna try to help her through that by you know not scaring the shit out of her you know like I'm, I'm some beast ogre um, but yeah, as she gets older and we start communicating a little bit more, you know, we both realize how much we appreciate each other. And uh, I really, I'm glad I can be there and be sober and be aware of my surroundings and be able to protect her as much as I can. Because she's worth protecting and she's... She has the potential of being a strong, independent individual, you know, despite the crushing emotional damage I've done to her. Um, But she needs to be kind of nurtured. She needs to be helped through that. And she needs to be protected uh, and encouraged. And 
if she does get through these next few years of me and my improvement, of course it has to do with me, um, she's got this great potential to be somebody outstanding. Remember when I first saw her scoring those Pee Wee League soccer goals when she was five? Um, I was just so unbelievably proud of her. It was it was the great one of the greatest moments of my life was was watching her score goals because you know, none of my other kids have achieved that, and that's just a that's just a parent thing. I, it doesn't it doesn't mean that my my boys are any less of athletes or any less of kids, but they never did that thing that daddies love which is excelling in sports. And I'm not a huge sports guy, and now I'm out of shape, so I can't just go rollerblade around the neighborhood like I used to to stay in shape, or you know, I'm not going to go play basketball with anybody, and I'm not going to... Um, I'm not a football guy, or I'm not going to go kick field goals down to school or anything like that. Um... What else? Uh, I can swim, but I sure as hell don't have a swimmer's body. And uh, track? I don't know. I, 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 I had high hopes for her to be a, you know, a track athlete, but evidently she's got the synovitis, which is kind of like almost like an arthritis that happens in her, her joints. And it's, it's her hips. When it gets overexerted, her hip will hurt, gets inflamed, and I personally don't think that's, I don't think she's going to grow out of that. I think that's going to be something that follows her throughout her whole life. So even if she was going to be an athlete, she's going to be somebody who's taking pain pills or something to get through a, a trial or something. She's going to be, she'll be using science and medical breakthroughs to try and get her through like a marathon or a relay race or you know she'll be the tennis athlete like or the Kornikova or whatever um, who gets caught using performance enhancing drugs I know she would so unfortunately I don't think she's going to be able to do that even soccer she won't be able to play soccer professionally because of this because she'll she won't be able to play you know multiple games in a row she'll be she'll be sidelined because of pain so that sucks at least I can kind of count on her being a nurse I know that's going to happen we just of course we have to watch her Somebody should have been watching me. I'll be watching her. My parents don't give a shit about me. And that is so evidently obvious. And has been my entire life. The only... I mean, the, the biggest example I always use for that is that uh, their oldest child is my oldest sister. And she can never do wrong in their eyes 
she's always been the the first child and just showered with love and um, when my oldest sister and I decided to move to Arizona my parents decided to be snowbirds and come to Arizona go back home come to Arizona go back home and then they bought a condo and they bought a condo and let's just say I lived in the northern part of the state in the middle of the state and they live closer to the south and my parents bought a place close to the south where my sister lived then my sister moved on from her current residence her her current at that time residence current at that time <laughs> she moved further south and my parents sold their townhouse and bought a house that was further south to be closer to my sister and further away from me now that just makes trips to see everybody a 45 minute to one hour affair for me for them they would have to drive about an hour north to see me and my kids but you know it's, it's hard when, when people have lives but my mom spent a lot of time at my sister's place and when my sister was going through her uh, social issues her personal issues with her now ex-husband and um, things like that she had three kids on with her and my mom was there for my sister she was there for her she stayed with her she lived nearby and she spent her time watching those kids taking care of those kids potty training those kids so that my sister could get back on her feet and I've all I had always resented my mom for that and I still do but then I my world fell apart I okay it was my fault it fell apart because of me but I needed help my wife and I needed help we had three kids and my mother was nowhere to be found in fact she was she was doing things for herself which I guess you're allowed to do she, she needed to live her life this was before she was a Trump stooge but she wasn't there for me and even today when I still need help she's not around I think she kind of gives me this attitude like this is not such a big deal and that I'll get through it I'm strong and that we'll overcome this but the truth is I I need help I have needed help I've asked for help I've, I've told my other sister about all this and that I you know I'm not it's too it's very difficult to get back on my feet when I have to, to be there for my kids all the time which is why 
I'm still not where I need to be, because uh, this is, which is why I'm waiting for the summer to be over, so that hopefully I can get what I need to get, so that I can take a run at this State Board of Nursing. I just don't have the resources. I don't have anybody to, you know, that I can trust to watch my kids. I trust my mom to keep an eye on my kids while I go to rehab. That's all I need right now. My wife can't do it because she has to work. So I, I'm still resentful of my parents. And my father has always been useless, but my mom at least has a maternal instinct that has served my sister very well. And... Um, I think she has a pretty good relationship with my other sister, my the middle child. But for me, it's been it's it's just been this I don't know. I've never felt like she really cared. I never felt like she cared very much about me. I, mean, I guess I was a bad kid. And I was a difficult young child, and then as a teenager, I was pretty awful, but I don't know, I, mean, I, I see my middle child and my youngest child, and you see how I feel about them, like, they drive me absolutely crazy many, many times, I've, I've talked about how infuriated, infuriated I am about them, and when I say them, I really mean me, um, but there's, I would, I think that I would, I would be there for them, as long as they kind of like take some constructive criticism from me. And my parents have never really told me how to live. They just haven't been there and they haven't given me any help when I really needed it. I still need it. So this little segment is just all about how much I love my daughter and uh, I'm pretty encouraged about just like the last couple weeks really. I've had a blow up or two when it gets really hot. And I get frustrated, I'm tired, and I'm pent up in the house, and I'm just, kids are fighting, and there's a lot of mess in the house, toys everywhere, and she still plays with toys, and there's a lot of toys around, so it's irritating when they're just, they're everywhere, and that's just not, that's not just Legos, that's like, there's pieces of everything everywhere, and then there's big things, and there's middle-sized things. My wife just kicked a dinosaur in the hallway upstairs the, uh, just the other day. And she, it hurt. You can tell that it hurt. She kicked this the dinosaur that her uncle got for the kids. Uh, Indominus Rex. Good toy, but it was on the ground, and she kicked it, <laughs> and it hurt. So, I 
I love my daughter. I love my sons, both of them. And uh, I, I really want to be, I, I probably mentioned this before, but I want to be a, a good dad. And I want them to appreciate me. I, I think they can appreciate me more than I appreciate my parents. I was just thinking the other day about the memories that I do have about my dad. And um, I, have, I have a bunch of very vivid memories of him. You know? Remember one time we were all standing in the kitchen and he used to be kind of chubby from drinking a lot of beer. And he just sucked it all in once and he looked like a muscle man. <laughs> we all kind of thought that was funny. It's like, well, you just turned like into a big muscle man. Just like that, just from sucking it in. One time when I had a new soccer net, we set it up in the backyard and he came out to show that he was still able to do stuff. <laughs> and he took a swipe at the ball, he landed on his ass. And we laughed at him. We laughed hard. And I always felt bad about how hard we laughed because I think he was embarrassed. There's a time when he was going uh, to a lake, a lake house to one of his friends, one of their family friends, and uh, they did some jet skiing, and I killed it out there. That was awesome. Um, but he tried it, and the line broke. We laughed. We laughed hard, and I think he was embarrassed. I remember once my friend, next door neighbor, Tara, wanted to go to her grandma's condo where there was a swimming pool in the summer, in-ground pool. You know, lots of people went to the pool. And I think Eric was able to go and Leslie was able to go. And I asked my dad if I could go. He said no. I didn't expect that he was going to say no, but he just said flat out no. And when I look back on it, I, I knew, I know that he had been putting them away that day and he was kind of drunk and just in a bad mood for some reason. Maybe he saw something on the news he didn't like, but he gave me this no. And I went anyway, I just left in the car with Tara's grandma all the way to her condo. God knows where that is. We swam all day. I came home. He didn't know any different that I was gone. And it just shocked me how, how he said no. I wasn't expecting a no. But he was, he was not in a good mood. Um... Another time in the backyard, we had all these baby bunnies from the neighbor, my sister's friend, Nancy, who I think, like a couple of geniuses, they got some bunnies, cottontail rabbits, for Easter. I think there's a couple of kids in the family, and each one of them got a rabbit for Easter. And there had to be, there had to have been like 30 baby bunnies. And they were trying to get rid of them. 
they brought like a ton of them over to our house. And I was like four or five and I was walking along the wall in the backyard and I just hopped down off the wall and I spooked one of these little white baby bunnies and the baby bunny ran away because it was scared of me and it ran into the, sh the bushes that separate our neighbor's house, our house uh, between our house and the Matanzas next door. And it got its little neck caught in between like a, a bifurcation of the branch, you know, so it splits into a V and it got its head stuck right in there. And it was squealing and squealing and squealing and squealing. And it was just so traumatic. But my dad went over and he gently just got the bunny. It took him like 15 seconds at least to get this bunny out of this situation. And uh, the bunny came out of it unharmed. And I, I always thought that was pretty great. And he didn't yell at me or anything. My sister gave me a look though when I jumped off the wall. She looked at me like, and she said, Sean. And she looked at me like, you're such an asshole. Why did you just do that? You just scared the baby bunny. So that's a good memory of him. I haven't talked to him in like a couple months. Even like before we went to Costa Rica, I haven't talked to him. And it's all because of this fucking conservative party. Every time I think about wanting to talk to him, I think of him sitting in front of Fox News like a goddamn mindless, opinionless zombie. And I say opinionless because any opinions that he does have come straight from fucking Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and would-be Bill O'Reilly if he was still there. So fuck the GOP. On that note, I think I might actually... Oh, no, it's not time for a break yet. But... Um, I still have more to say about the Grand Canyon trip, so stay tuned. Why do I talk about so much boring shit on these podcasts? And the reason is, why not just put it out there? It's all free, and it's being recorded, and it's for posterity, for the most part. And it has a little bit to do with when you're time out. It was just my coworker bringing over some stuff for me to put away. But my question was, why do I, why am I doing so many like idiotic recordings of things that are not important? And it's, it's because, like, of posterity. Posterity. Um, when somebody dies,
Whoa, what the hell is going on here? I'm not supposed to be recording this.